All right, why in the world are we talking about this in the first place? Like, a lot of youth groups like to talk about dating, uh, probably a little bit too much. Um, why do I feel like we should talk about it? I think the reason we should talk about it is because many people don't even realize what dating is. It's kind of like describing water. If you ask a person to describe to you what water tastes like, many of you will say, well, water tastes like water. Yeah, but what does it taste like? If you talk about orange juice, you'd say it's sweet, it's citrusy. You can describe it. Water has a taste, yet if you ask someone to describe water, very few people can give you a description of what it is. In the same way, I feel like dating is one of those terms to say, well, what is dating? And they're like, well, you know, just people, you guys know what dating is. And because of that, a lot of people might go in two different directions. One completely hates the term dating because it's being taken captive by the world, kind of like the, the word tolerance. Like tolerance has given, been given a new meaning to mean that, oh, well, everyone should tolerate everyone or else. And that's not really tolerance, but that's kind of the new definition it's given. Dating has been given this definition where it's kind of like it looks a certain way, people act a certain way, mistreat each other, cheat on each other. That's dating according to the world. And so what we want to do is bring that back because if you take that extreme, what, what can happen is you can be in a relationship with someone else and not even realize it because you're kind of denying it. Now, if you go the opposite direction and say, oh, yeah, dating's great, dating's good, you can often wind up with a, a lot of regret, a lot of heartache because you think just because you have feelings and emotions for someone else, you should act on it. But that's not true. If you have a desire for something, that doesn't always mean that you should act on it. Just because you like someone, hear me out on this, just because you like someone does not mean you have to tell the whole world about it. I might have a, a desire for something and I probably shouldn't tell people for that, uh, to tell people what that, what that desire is. If I have a desire to go, like, if I tell everyone what I feel on a daily basis, most of you think I'm, I'm you know, messed up in the head. It's like, yeah, I really want cookies. Because most of my statuses are that. Like, I really want cookies, really want cake. That's what I think about all day long. Just think about food. And you probably think that I'm a madman if all I talk about is my desires. You know, in fact, the Bible says a fool speaks all of his mind, but a wise man holds them back. A, a, a fool uh, vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. It's okay not to tell everybody uh, about who you like because chances are you tell one person, everyone's going to know. And you might not even decide at that point in time if you want to pursue a relationship with that person. But just by the fact of you saying something, now the whole world knows. Now everyone's looking at you like, well, since you like them, what are you going to do about it? You know, that situation has happened to me numerous occasions, numerous times over the years. I've seen it happen to friends. I'm sure you guys can relate with that too. So we're not on the opposite, uh, we're not on the one side that says dating's evil. We're not on the side that says dating is an awesome, good thing. We're in the middle ground that says, what does God say about dating? And that will determine whether it's good or bad for you. Great. So what is dating? Well, according to the dictionary, it says this. Dating is a social appointment engagement or occasion arranged beforehand with another person. The definition of courting is to seek the affection of or to woo. Of animals, it is to attempt to attract a mate by engaging in certain species-specific behaviors. Yes, I don't know why I quoted that. Many Christians are afraid of this term dating and unbeknownst to them, they're in a dating relationship. They'll still talk to that person all the time. You're texting them every single day. You know, you're confiding in them things that you would tell no one else. And you have to ask yourself, what is the relationship I have with this other person, if it not be dating? Because the last thing we want to do as Christians is lead other people uh, on, especially Christian men. Our duty as Christian men is to be uh, leading the women in purity and protecting them, regardless of whether we're dating them or not. As men, we're to be protecting our, our sisters in Christ. So the last thing you want to do is mistreat them by sending them text messages you wouldn't send to your own sister when you're not in a relationship with them. And even if you are in a relationship with them, that doesn't necessarily mean you have any more rights 
over the next guy, over that person, because they're not yours. You haven't committed your life to them. And so that's why we got to be very careful that we're not committing ourselves before it's appropriate. We're not, you know, I'm always saying, like, be careful when you get into a relationship that you're not sharing all of your deepest, darkest secrets with each other right away. And why is that? Because when you do that, all of a sudden, you've invested so much into that person, it's going to be really hard to let them go. And here's a newsflash. The person that you love, whether you're married to them or not, will at some point fail you. The person that you love at some point in time will hurt you. And if you're not in a marriage relationship with them, if you're not committed your life to them, what do you do when you break up? Oh, well, that person knows this one thing about me that I've never told anyone else. And now you're always worried, well, they're mad at me or they're, they don't like me anymore. And what do they tell the whole, what the world knows? And it's just, there's a part of you, and even if you're not worried about what everyone thinks of you, there's still a part of you that feels like it was given away to that person, especially if you're physical. So if you're the person who's not sure if you're already dating someone, you're not sure, you're kind of on the board like, well, I guess we're like talking, but we're not really dating. Here's the litmus test. Ready? How would you feel or how would that person feel if you tomorrow started dating someone else? How would that person feel? And if the word is jealous, if the word is anxious, uh, betrayed, you have to ask yourself, what was your previous commitment to that person so much so that they would feel that way uh, if you dated someone else? See, many people are investing in a relationship. Many refuse the title of the relationship. And what happens is when that thing happens and you stop talking or you distance yourself, you start, well, they don't talk to me. They're not texting me every day anymore. What's happening with that? And so now... You have two problems. You face the consequences of a breakup because you're hurt because they moved on. And also you have the confusion of not even realizing if it was a relationship or not. And so now you're doubly confused. It's hard enough dealing with a breakup and now you have to deal with the confusion of not even know knowing if you broke up or not. <laughs> I really have to avoid personal stories here <laughs> as much as possible. Okay, there's this one time. <laughs> talking to this girl we were talking on the phone you know and like you know great christian girl and we were talking for like hours on end you know but we weren't dating and it was a long distance thing anyway so and then one night she just tells me like going gray we're like 20 minutes into the conversation she's just like so here's the thing you're a great guy there's nothing that you've said there's nothing that you did but we're my heart's just not in the right place right now. And as she's saying this, it's like slow motion. Like none of you guys know her, but it's slow motion. I'm just like, is this, is she breaking up? We're not even dating. What's happening? And I'm just like shaking my head. And then it was like, like uh, well, have a nice life. And hung up the phone. So don't go down that road. Moving on. Here's what's important. You don't have to physically go alone on dates in order to be dating. If that was true, you couldn't have a long-distance relationship. Yeah, we know plenty of people, uh, maybe friends or family members, who have been in long-distance relationships. So what is dating? My definition of dating is this, and you can write this down if you want. A mutual, exclusive relationship between persons towards greater intimacy. A mutual, exclusive relationship between persons toward greater intimacy. Now, this definition is flexible in that you don't even have to be a Christian to have this, this kind of title, this uh, definition, I should say. You could be a non-Christian and your goal of greater intimacy is having sex. Um, but you would still feel betrayed by that person if you're pursuing this relationship towards that and they start talking to someone else, they cheat on you with someone else. So that is dating. You're both in a relationship, hopefully in the Christian context, as we'll talk about a little bit later. Your goal is marriage. Your goal is pleasing the Lord with your lives. But you both are exclusive in that you're not talking to that person as you would with anyone else and you're both going towards marriage. That is the deeper intimacy that you're working towards. So... 
Guys, don't flirt in ignorance. Don't be like, whoa, I don't know. We haven't called it dating, so it's technically not. So I can send this text message. I can like that photo on Instagram. I can send them this comment or whatever. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, 2, treat older women as you would your mother and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Now, pay attention to this. What that says in 1 Timothy is if you wouldn't mess with your own sister's emotions, you should not mess with your sister in Christ's emotions. You have the responsibility as a guy to uh, make sure there is no confusion about where you're at. Now, I'm not talking about prematurely. I'm not saying like you meet a person and the girl starts talking to you and she's like, oh, you know, like, hey, let's go hang out sometime. And like, well, what are we? Are we, are we friends? Are we more than friends? No, I'm not. Don't be weird. At some point in time, it, you have to ask yourself, and hopefully with some godly counsel, some wiser people in your life that you can bounce things off of, not necessarily telling all your friends, but at the appropriate time, figure out when it's appropriate to define your relationship and ask the, the hard question. Are we moving towards something here? Is this, is this a mutual thing? Because the last thing you want to do is mess with a girl's emotions. All right. So what is the purpose of dating? We went through the what of dating. Now, what is the purpose? What is the why of dating? Why should you date? Well, according to the Bible, uh, many of you are not surprised by this, by me telling you this, but dating is not a biblical term. You won't find dating in the Bible. But guess what? That shouldn't surprise you. You can't find TV in the Bible. But the Bible can teach you concepts that you can relate to watching television. You shouldn't be idle with your time. The Bible says a lot of things about that. And so if television is your idle time, don't do it. Same thing with dating. Dating is a cultural term. Now the Bible sees two types of people. Single people and married people. That's it. You're either, you're either single or you're married. So marriage is the, the commitment you bring before the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm going to protect this person. I'm going to honor this person and love this person as you love the church. That is the commitment I'm making till death uh, do we part. Now, dating is kind of the testing ground, kind of seeing if this is the person that you are ready to make that kind of commitment with. And you just simply won't know. Now, this is my defense of dating for a second. You simply cannot know if you're ready to commit your life to a person just by meeting a person. There is no love at first sight in that kind of a way. It's not like you see the person like, yes, I just, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to get married. Now, some people do do that, but that just because you see it happen in life doesn't mean that you can take the exception and make it the rule. And say, well, my friend, I know people that just like didn't even really know each other. They just got married. It can work. In fact, there are arranged marriages that happen. And that shows that commitment is more important than the feeling. But that doesn't mean that your marriage is going to be without feeling. And in fact, many arranged marriages, as they commit themselves, they find that the emotions follow because the Lord honors what you are willing to bring before the Lord. But you guys, you're in America. This is a cultural thing. So it's okay for you to make a wise decision about this, to consult godly leaders, to consult your parents, uh, to, to look at the situation that you're in and ask yourself, will this bring me closer to the Lord or will this push me away from the Lord and make your decision based on that? So for the Christian, the purpose of dating must always have marriage in mind. Once again, not saying you're going to be creepy and go up to her and be like, and uh, so we're going to get married? No, don't do that. That's weird. But your end goal should never be dating for the sake of dating. Now, why is that? Why can't I just date just because I want to? Why can't I just date for fun? Maybe some of you are thinking that. Maybe you have friends that think that. and think it's cool to talk to one girl or 50,000 girls all at the same time. Or vice versa. Why can't you just date for fun? Here's why. No matter if you're Christian or not, it is impossible to commit yourself to something without also being invested in that thing whatever it is, whether it's a relationship or not. It is impossible, I'll repeat it again, it is impossible to commit yourself to something without being invested in it. The Bible puts it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For instance, I remember back in the day, you know, in high school, 
Uh, me and Dave used to go around taking photos, and I used to take pictures with my camera, and he got a better camera than me, and so, like, we'd go out, and, and we'd shoot, and it was fun. And I remember saying, I was like, yeah, photography's fun. I'd always like, love to keep it a hobby and never make it a job. Just, I would never want that to be my job. I just like doing it for fun. But then the more time I put into it, the more equipment that I bought, the more money I spent on it, and then people started asking me, hey, would you shoot this, and would you shoot my band and stuff? The more that I spent time doing it, all of a sudden I was like, well, yeah, maybe this is something I could do for a living. And obviously I don't do that anymore. But in the same way, the more that you put yourself in a relationship with a person, the more you start to ask yourself, what factor does this person have in my life? If you're talking to the same person for three hours a day, and hopefully you're not doing that, you know, not even dating. And even if you are dating, careful. Um, if you're talking to the same person for three hours a day, that is a huge chunk of your day. And you have to ask yourself, can you be invested that much into a person and yet say, and eh, they're not going to mean anything to me once we break up? No, your heart is going to follow where you put your treasure. The Bible says it. And that's why Song of Solomon 8, 4 says, do not stir up love nor awaken love until it pleases. It is impossible to be in a relationship with someone without being hurt if you break up. It's just the way it is. So whether you're in a relationship that's honoring God or not, if you break up, you will be hurt. And if not, then you probably weren't in a very committed relationship to begin with. You're like, yeah, I didn't really care. We just broke up, but we were honoring God, so it doesn't matter. No, you're going to be hurt at some level, but you want to make sure that you're not defiling the other person not taking advantage of the other person. You want to make sure that you leave the person better than, uh, than you found them. So that's the important thing. And here's the question regarding the why of dating. This is the most important question that Joey Rosick, my youth pastor, asked us back in the day, and I've said it many times since then. If you're asking yourself if you should date or not, ask yourself this question. Why can't you just be friends. Until you answer that question, why can't you just be friends? You are not ready to date. You are not ready for a relationship. Now think about that. Think about that person that you have in mind. Don't think too hard. What, why would you want to be in a relationship more than a friendship with that person? C.S. Lewis describes a friendship as two people walking side by side toward a common goal. You can have plenty of friends. You can have friends that you're not committing your lives to, where you have the same goals, you have the same hobbies, you both like music, you both like sports, and you walk in life with each other for a time towards that common goal. You both want to grow in the Lord, and that's great. That's awesome. Do that. But what would make you take that extra step of saying, I'm, I'm ready to commit myself to that person? Now, I believe that answer is at some point subjective in that it will be different, a little bit different for everyone. So the reason that I get married to, to a person will be different than your reason to get married uh, to a person. However, the goal is always to please the Lord, no matter what. If you want a righteous relationship before the Lord, it always has to be so that I grow in the Lord and so that I please the Lord with my life, and this is a better way that I can do it. But until you answer that question, you're not ready. Now that begs the question, can men and women be just friends? Or does every, girls, if you're sitting here right now, does every guy that talks to you for more than a half hour, the, uh, a half an hour a day, have feelings for you? Well, you know, the Bible says, as we quoted already in 1 Timothy, to treat younger women as sisters with all purity. So obviously the Bible believes that you can have friends of the opposite gender. But I would be skeptical of your non-Christian friends. What reason would they have for being friends with you? Other than uh, asking for something more from you. You see, lust always looks to take where love always wants to give. And unless a person really understands love, understands God who is love, and understands selflessness and sacrifice, they will never be able to love you in the way that you need to be loved. Their kind of love will always be the kind of I want to take from you. Not saying that non-believers can't genuinely love and be selfless, but I would be skeptical of your friends that are of the opposite gender, that talk to you on a regular basis, that aren't believers, 
because I would worry that they are trying to take advantage of you and you might be oblivious. So ask your leaders about that one. Here are some bad reasons to date. Ready? Number one, bad reason to date number one. Well, we have to date because we're in love. I mean, really. I just, I look at the Bible in 1 Corinthians 13. It's love suffers long. And yes, they suffer so long for me. That's a terrible reason. Why is that? Well, the Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else who can know it. Don't just follow your heart. Don't listen to those songs. Some of you are like, I got divine confirmation from a Miley Cyrus song, so I know I'm supposed to date. No, you did not. Stop that. Don't follow your heart that your heart is wicked. What you should do is follow the Lord. That's it. So if your only reason that you're dating is just because you have feelings, as I've already said, uh, just because you have feelings doesn't mean that you have to act on them. Now here's a question. Maybe you've done this as I've done many, many, many times. Have you ever, when considering a person that you want to date, have you ever prayed for the Lord to take away feelings if it wasn't from him? Lord, if this isn't of you, just take the feelings away. Oh wait, they're still there. Okay, I guess it's game on. No, 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 stop. Don't do that. Oh, it's so bad. I've told you this story before, but the one time that I, I told a girl that God was calling me to go out with her, when I was like 15. It's like, I, that's why I look at you guys I'm like, man, you guys are so much more mature than I was when I was 15. If you knew me when I was 15, you would have not want to be my friend. It was just bad. Well, why do I say that? Here's the problem. God does not just take feelings away from things that we desire but know are wrong. God does not take away feelings from things that we desire but know are wrong. Think about it. Adam and Eve. If God uh, really wanted Eve to stop sinning and had the capability to do that, why don't he just take away the desire for the apple? Or not the apple, the fruit. You know, whatever it is. Some fruit. I just watched Noah, okay? It ruined my mind. Um, why didn't he just take away that desire? That's because God entrusts us to have a fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. Self-control means that even though you want to do something, you know that you don't have to follow every single desire. And the thing is, at some point in your life, you'll be attracted to a lot of people. Like just through the course of your life, you'll be attracted to many people and you have to base your decision on more than just feelings and attractions. Because feelings and attractions, number one, fade. And if that's all you base it on, the minute that you start dating one person, and then you're like, well, I, I like this other person too. Well, maybe I really don't care about the person I'm with because I'm attracted to that person. And you're just going to follow yourself. You're going to be fickle, never making a commitment, never making a decision. Instead, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, says even though I desire something, that doesn't mean I have to follow my desires. I'm going to ask myself, is this a wise decision? Is this where the Lord is leading? And God trusts us with that ability to make good decisions because he's given us our word, uh, his word, I should say, on which to base those decisions. So a relationship that's founded on impulse can likely be dropped just as fast as it was picked up. And if you remembered me talking about this last week, I'll say it again. Ladies, if you are seeing a guy, or let's say that you're interested in a guy, and he doesn't talk to you in person, he hasn't made that commitment, but he likes photos on Instagram, or he texts you every now and then saying you're cute, or he's flirting with you on that, what he's basically saying is, you are worth the impulse, but you're not worth the commitment. Because think about it. How much effort does it take to text someone? How much effort does it take to like a picture? I mean, how many of us have stumbled into sin because we're liking a picture or we're surfing the internet or texting someone? It doesn't take a lot of effort. It takes a lot of effort, though, to commit yourself to someone and say, you know what, this person is worth pursuing. So if a, if a guy is not pursuing you, don't chase him, number one. And number two, don't give him your time of day. If he's saying you're not worth the commitment, then he is not worth your time. All right, continuing on. That's me venting. This is the part of the problem of finding the one. 
Some of us are like, I know there's one that God has out for, you know, for me. He's selected and they're going to start glimmering like Edward from Twilight. And I'm going to see him and say, yes, the one. He's the chosen one that God has for me. No. Instead of thinking in this kind of mystical way, looking for some super spiritual sign of the person God has for you, instead ask yourself, what honors the Lord and what decision would be the most wise decision based on what God has already given me? Instead of putting the blame on God for your relationships and saying, well, God led me to this relationship because there is divine confirmation in the clouds and the clouds all pointed an arrow to this woman that I saw and I said yes that is the one and just don't do that instead base it on what the Lord gives you all right bad reason to date number two bad reason to date number two is well we want to date because we want to grow in the Lord now I know that sounds contradictory but let me explain a little bit of what I mean that's great you should want to grow in the Lord and a byproduct of your relationship should be growth in the Lord but uh, Brandon Anderson, a blogger, puts it this way. If Jesus isn't motivation enough to grow in maturity and pursue godliness, then you are not ready to pursue a woman. Jesus should be enough motivation for you to grow in the Lord. You shouldn't say, well, you know, I could really use help with my Bible reading, so I'm going to start dating. That's silly. Your motivation should not be so that you get your life in order. You should get your life in order so that you can lead someone in a relationship. But ultimately, that relationship, if it honors the Lord, will draw closer to the Lord. Bad reason to date number three. Bad reason to date number three. He or she is the only one who understands. The only one who gets me. Knows who I really am. This is why this is so bad. If you feel like you have to date this person because they, don't, they get you, the problem is oftentimes... You, you form kind of like this Romeo and Juliet thing where it's us versus the world. And you feel like no one else understands, no one else cares, especially if you guys are going through a lot of stuff in your life. And it's true, a lot of you are. Last thing you want to do is form a codependent relationship is what it's called, codependency, where you're both depending on each other and you're building that foundation not on the word of God, not on the love of God, but you're building it on shared experience, guilt, depression, and things that were never really meant to form a relationship upon. You're both bitter at the same person. You're both bitter at the world. You're both hurting inside. You both had, you know, a, a serious thing happen to you in your life, and you're forming your relationship on that. That is no foundation to form a relationship. Your foundation should be Jesus Christ. If your foundation is not Jesus Christ, it's like sinking sand and you're going to sink. And, and once that dissolves, you're going to be left with even more bitterness. Because what happens is you feel like the world is against you. That person's the only one who gets you. But what if what happens when that person fails you? I thought I could trust you. I thought you were my everything. And it turns out they weren't. And you feel not only close up to that relationship, but every other relationship. I'll never date again. I'll never talk to everyone. I'll never trust anyone ever again. See, that is unhealthy. And that is not an appropriate reason to start a relationship. In fact, what you should look to do is surround yourself with godly people who do care about you. And there's at least 17 of them, and they're called youth leaders, and they're all here. Not because they have to, but because they truly do love you guys. And your parents on top of that. All right. So no matter the kind of relationship, all our relationships should point to Jesus. Your relationship shouldn't be in this way that's kind of like, yes, and I get you, and I understand you. It should always be, listen, I care about you, but so does everyone else. I care about you, but Jesus Christ does the most. And I can never love you as much as Jesus does. All right, when should I date? When should I date? Well, let's talk about the age first. I've talked about these statistics before, but I'll repeat them again for the sake of this message, this teaching. Studies have shown if you start dating at age 12, you are 91% more likely to have sex before you leave high school. 91% more likely to have sex before you leave high school. That is staggering, which means you should not date when you're 12. 
Now, we can only speculate as to the why of these statistics. That's a philosophical question. That's not the scientific question. I'm just giving you the data. We can speculate later. Age 15, you are 40% likely to have sex before leaving high school. If you're trying to maintain purity, probably don't want to start at age 15 either. That's about half. That's a one in two chance. All right? If you wait till age 16, you're only 20% likely to have sex before you leave high school. So what this shows is that waiting for romance will help you wait for sex, will help you maintain purity before the Lord. Now, I'm just talking about this for Christians that care about serving Jesus with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And one of the main ways you can do that is keeping yourself as a vessel of honor, prepared and ready for every good work that God has for you. And not letting yourself get distracted with relationships, not letting yourself get distracted with the things of this world, but say, you know what, I'm going to stand different in this generation. I don't want to live my life as my friends do or everyone else does. I want to be sold out for the Lord. Here's something else, though. Just because you're 16 doesn't mean that you should go date when you're 16. In fact, dating young means waiting long. Because you're not, you can't get married when you're 16. You're crazy. Think about it. So realistically, when can you get married? I don't know, 20, 21, I don't know. I don't know what age you can realistically get married at. I've had some friends at 19, some friends at, you know, older than me. Um, but realistically, if you start dating young, you will have to wait a long time, which is a good and a bad thing. It can be a bad thing because you will be uh, susceptible to temptations, struggles, and that period of waiting, but it can be a good thing because it teaches you patience, teaches you how to, to love someone in a pure way, to build your relationship not on the physical, but to build your relationship on communication, which is so important when you get into marriage. So for those of you that are single right now, I want, I want to speak to you for a second. Listen, do not despise the value of singleness. Do not despise the value of singleness. Listen, I've been single for what? 25 years now? It's a while. I've never had a, a serious relationship in my life. Probably ever. Um, does that worry me? No, not really. In fact, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32 through 33, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of, this war, uh, of the Lord, how he may please the Lord, but he who is married cares for the things of the world, how he may please his wife. This is Paul talking about. He says, man, I wish everyone was like me, single. Because when you're single, you have a, a rate of productivity that is unlike any other time in your life. Now, if you have a desire to be married, don't worry. Don't, don't sell yourself cheap. Don't be like, oh man, I need to get married now. I need this, you know, this one person likes me and I have to chase after them because if I don't, I'm going to miss my chance. I'm going to be 40 years. I'm going to be as old as Alan and I'm going to be miserable with my life. Listen, if you have that desire, that desire is placed there by God. God has a, a time for you. Has a time for you to be born, time for you to die, a time for you to get married. God makes everything beautiful in his time. Instead of worrying about when you're going to get a relationship, when you're going to get married, instead focus on building your character now. Saving your money now. Be the man or be the woman that God wants you to be that is good enough for the person that he has for you. Focus on the inward so that the day that that person comes, I mean, the last thing you want to do is that God brings that, you know, cute boy along, that girl along, and you're not ready. You haven't been reading your Bible. You haven't been praying. Like, how much more excited will you be he said, you know what, I've been diligently seeking after the Lord and I've found the person that I'm ready to spend the rest of my life with. And I have uh, the track record to prove it. I'm responsible, I clean my room, I love my parents, all those great things. I mean, this is the time to work on your life. So how is your walk with the Lord? Before you even date, you should be working on your walk with the Lord. If you're addicted to pornography, if you're having temptations, how in the world will you lead someone else in their purity if you can't lead yourself in purity? Listen, if you're struggling right now, you're not ready. And you need to prepare yourself, be in that place that you're able to be used by the Lord 
before you add another person to the mix. Why would you want to do that? That's crazy. Be patient. Take your time. God has a time and place for everything. 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 through 8 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who don't know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. See, we are to be set apart from the world. Not like the Amish people and just kind of like you dress differently and you kind of like don't use electricity. No, they take it to the nth degree. Be set apart in your conduct, in your holiness. So that people in the world are like, what? You're not having sex till you get married? Why would you do that? That's crazy. But then you look at the, the life that's free of hurt the life that's sold to the Lord, life filled with joy. And they see that and like, man, I wish I had that. You know how many, I mean, you're in high school, so no one, everyone's just experimenting. No one's dealing with the consequences of their sin. But you know how many people come up to me that, you know, have sex during high school, had sex in college. And they look at me and like, man, I wish I did that. I wish I saved myself for that person. Non-Christian people. And you're in high school, and I'm like, oh, you're not doing it. Everyone else is doing it. But I'm telling you, just wait a couple of years and you'll be glad that you did. Most of all, do it for the Lord. Lastly, on the when should you date, you need to consult your parents as to when that appropriate age is, when the appropriate time is. If you're all for dating and your parents aren't, listen, the Lord doesn't want it to happen. Take your, well, my parents are crazy. They said I can't get married. I can't start dating until I'm married. Like, great. Listen to your parents. God has a purpose. God instills authority above you. You need to submit yourself to them. And even if your parents are saying, yeah, date when you're like 10 years old, that doesn't mean it's okay either. You should have godly mentors in your life, godly leaders, older and wiser than you, that you can look to and ask yourself, what do you think about this person? You should have, everyone should have a person that you can say, so I'm thinking about seeing this, I'm thinking about talking to this person. What do you think about them? Now, we're not like the shepherding movement. We're not like Jehovah's Witnesses. And we're not like people that are like, oh, you must get married to this person or else. Like, we're not going to control your life. All of us leaders, our goal is to give you godly guidelines to make your own decision. So who should I date? Who should I date? Now, like I said, this is freedom. There's freedom in the Bible. You have the freedom to choose. We're not deciding for you. There's something called the shepherding movement where people are like, everyone had a shepherd over each other. This happened in Florida not too long ago, a couple decades ago. And these shepherds, everyone had a shepherd to make every decision for you. Who you were like supposed to date, who you're supposed to marry, what job you're supposed to take, where you're supposed to move. All those decisions, you had to go through your shepherd. And so what actually happened is these shepherds would go up to someone and say, you and you, get married. And they'd have to do it. And people did. And there's some pastors in the Calvary movement who actually got married with the shepherding movement. And they came out of it and they're like, well, that was crazy, but it worked somehow. We're not doing that. Don't worry. What are the guidelines God does give us? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 15, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Listen very carefully. If you're thinking about seeing a person who's not a Christian, the answer is no. Not because we're legalistic. Not because we're like, oh, well, you have to date within your religion because that's the way it is. But as I've said many times before, when people ask me, so do you only date people within your faith? I say, why would I be intimate, have a relationship with someone who thinks the biggest thing in my life is a fairy tale and thinks it's a joke? Hey, honey, you know, I'm thinking about moving to be a missionary in Africa. Why would we do that? It's dumb. I don't even believe in God. If they think my best friend in my entire life is an imaginary person, why would I ever want to join my life with that person? It's ridiculous. It's not, why? Why would I do that? But temptation is easy. It's easy to like spend time with that person. Like, you know, they, just, they just seem together. They just seem so perfect that they just got the gospel on top of it. No, 
No, that's not okay. You see what you're saying? You say, no, if they just got the most important thing, then that would be great. But everything else works. You got your priorities upside down. What should attract you to a person is not looks. It's not attitude. It's not their best foot forward. Because you know what? All those things are part to change. Are they committed to the Lord? If you commit yourself to the Lord, see, that's the only thing that keeps you together. At some point in time, you might go through a crisis in life. God forbid, but one of you might get cancer. One of you might have a hardship in life. Is that person in a place where, they, where they're able to lead you to the cross? The only place that can give you that true peace, true fulfillment, and true joy. If not, you're in for a, a world of trouble. So don't make that the exception and like, well, and see, this is what sin does. Sin always says you are the exception. Yeah, I know the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. It says, you know, whatever, just don't date Christians. Uh, don't date Christians. Don't date people that aren't believers. But, you know, this is different. I mean, why would God give you this feeling if it wasn't from him? Sin will always say that you're the exception to the rule. But you have to ask yourself, is this wise? Is this going against God's word? If it goes against God's word, if it goes against God's counsel and godly counsel around you, is it from God? Probably not. But then this is what happens. But so-and-so got married when they weren't, you know, one of them wasn't Christian. And look how it turned out. It looks great. Just because it happens doesn't mean it's the ideal. I mean, look at the book of Hosea. Hosea was told to go marry a prostitute. Does that make it the ideal? Does that mean that that's what God intends for everyone? Certainly not. God's love is so different from our love. And we have to be in tune with that, not with our own desires and our own feelings. Now, if you're thinking, well, I don't know if you know my life. I mean, my life is pretty solid with the Lord. Yeah, well, can you think of anyone who has been a solid person with the Lord who fell because of uh, sexual sin? Because they fell to a woman that wasn't a Christian? Oh, maybe Solomon, maybe David, maybe Solomon. I said Solomon twice. Samson. There's a lot of people in the Bible. So if you think you're stronger than Solomon, Samson, David, go for it maybe. No, don't. Alistair Begg says this. To be unequally yoked means to be lacking true intimacy in anything that really matters in life. Great quote. I'll say it again. To be unequally yoked means to be lacking true intimacy in anything that really matters in life. So not just someone who claims to be a Christian, not someone that says, oh, no, no, I, I go to church sometimes. What, where's the fruit in their life? Are they walking with the Lord? Is, are they passionate for the Lord? And not just when they're in front of you, but, and we're going to get to this in a second, when they're not in front of you. How do they talk to their parents? How do they talk to their friends? How do they talk to their family members? We'll get to that in a second. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 through 7, and we're going to wrap this up soon. They will act religious, these kinds of people, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind to work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. See, there are some people that are wolves in sheep's clothing. There are some people that I have known in the past who aren't Christian, pretend to be Christian for the sole purpose of trying to chase after Christian women. I mean, you guys and you girls are a rare commodity to the world. Like, even non-believers will see something and you say, man, that, that's a beautiful girl, and she seems like she's going somewhere. Compared to everyone else in the world, are you, are you crazy? Everyone else who just wants to get drunk and, and go to clubs and, and all this all the other crazy stuff, they want someone who's stable. They want someone who's not crazy. How many people, I, how many girls I've talked to in college say, yeah, just, yeah, I don't even drink. And like go home and look at their Facebook and they're at like, they're at a bar last night. Like people lie and you have liars all over the world. They're looking for people in the church. And so they'll say whatever. Yeah, I read my, yeah, I read my Bible all the time. They'll deceive you for the purpose of, of taking advantage of you. You have to be wary of that and listen to sound and godly counsel on this. Don't miss this. Because they will try to take advantage of you. And you know what? In your weak moments, you'll give in because you don't believe the things God says about you. And you don't believe the things of God are worth waiting for. So, lastly about who you should date. Some of you 
take this a little too seriously when you like someone and you start dividing friendships over it. I mean, how much drama is caused just by the fact that two people like the same person? How many relationships and friendships are destroyed? You've been friends since you were like five years old. And all of a sudden they're destroyed because you like the same person. You're not even dating the person, but you like the same person. Come on. That's exactly what Satan wants to do. He wants to divide the church and he'll use whatever he has at his disposal. And if it's your feelings, he'll use that too. Don't let feelings get in the way. Because realistically, you're going to like a lot of people in your life. But friendships last. So make sure that you're holding on to those friendships. All right, so here's some good guidelines for dating for the ladies. Good guidelines for dating as to the who. Look for a spiritual leader who's committed to his relationship with Jesus. I don't mean like he's raising his hands during worship. No. And in fact, worship should be the overflow of the experience that God is giving you in your heart. You should never go to worship for the experience. Worship should be the result of an experience you're already having with God. So if the only time they're, raising, they're praising the Lord is when they're raising their hands in worship on a Friday night or on a Sunday morning, you got to stay away from that person. Look for a person who's committed in their walk with Christ. You need to look at a person who's uh, treating his siblings, treating his, his mom with honor, doesn't talk back to her, cleans his room, is a servant. Secondly, you're looking for honesty and integrity. If he lies to his friends, he's, he's probably going to lie to you. How does he treat other people? Because you see, everyone, when they're dating, puts their best foot forward. You need to see a person, not when they're at their best, you need to see them when they're at their worst. And you may uncover some dirt, some serious garbage. I mean, everyone has garbage, everyone has dirt, everyone hides things. But you need to see that, and that's gonna take time, a lot of time, to see that you're not gonna go through two dates and be like, and I know everything about them that's terrible. And the other thing is, when you're infatuated with a person, you're gonna see them through rose-colored lenses. So, oh, everything they do is wonderful. What do you hate about Johnny? I don't hate anything, they're just great. They, they don't even sin. It's awesome. You're making them out to be God and you need to stop that. You need to look past the infatuation stage and you need to ask yourself, what do I don't, what, what don't I like about this person? What do I hate about this person? And you need to find one of those things, write it down, and once you get an objective view on that person's life, make the decision and say, you know what, this person is worth loving not at their best, but at their worst. You need to choose to love a person when they're at their worst, when they're angry, when they're cursing. Hopefully you're not cursing. But you need to see a person really angry before you can make that kind of commitment uh, to them. So if they're cursing, that's probably a bad thing. And that's probably, there you go. Number three, someone who can laugh at himself. <laughs> a person who's not laughing at themselves, not making themselves the butt of every joke, um, probably takes himself a little bit too seriously and probably likes himself a little too seriously and too much. If they're taking selfies, posting them on Instagram every, every other day. They want to be liked by someone. Stay away from that person. Talk about ladies here. Number four, ladies. Look for someone who is kind. Not just someone who's macho and got beard and whatever. Look at someone who's gentle. Someone that has puppies. I just threw that one in there because I love puppies. Guidelines for men. Number one, it's got to be beautiful. Number two, it's got to be thin. <laughs> Stop. I'm kidding. Kidding. Number one. <laughs> Make sure they're also committed in the relationship with Jesus. Number two, find a beauty that's deeper than the skin, deeper than the hour. Because you know what? Eventually you're going to get old. But you want someone that their beauty is going to grow as they get old. And I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually, inwardly. Someone who spends more time working on the inward beauty than they do in front of the mirror in the morning. Someone that is spending so much time in the, in the word that they, they glow. Get what I'm saying? Not really glow, <laughs> weirdos. Here's another advice for the ladies real quick. 
Don't dress in a way just to grab a guy's attention. In fact, it talks about in 1 Peter chapter 3, don't be concerned about the outer beauty of fancy hairstyles, etc., but clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Worry about that inward beauty. Number three for guys, someone who is motivated but also submissive. You need to be a leader. You're called by God to be a leader in your household if you're a guy. And so that means you'll have to make decisions. Don't wait for the girl to decide where to go and what to do. You make those decisions. And realistically, you may not know what you want to do, but still make the decision. Because if you ask her, you're like, so what do you want to do today? Most likely, she has an idea, but she's not going to tell you. You know, I don't care. Just whatever. Just make a decision. And if it's a bad decision, you go somewhere and it's terrible and you have the worst day ever, you know what? At least you made a decision and, and you let the failure be on yourself rather than on the girl. And you don't have to be like, oh, you are the one who brought us here. Take that upon yourself, but find someone who's submissive, someone who's willing to submit to that kind of leadership, but you need to fill that role. For both genders, as I said, love someone at their worst, not just at their best. You have to ask yourself, is this person worth waiting for? Because realistically, none of you are going to get married tomorrow. Is this the kind of person that is worth waiting for? Now, if you think this is impossible, I just gave you so many guidelines, so many criteria. Remember, you only have to marry one. One. There's six billion people on this planet. But then again, you can only realistically date three billion because that's both genders. <laughs> three billion potential candidates on this planet. You only have to marry one, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so turns I went really long on that. This, as I said, I knew this was going to happen too. I didn't get to go into at all what does a godly relationship look like. That is the ethics of dating. So this today was mostly about the ontology of the dating. What is dating? Why should you date? What is it for? Who should you date? Those are all the questions for the person perhaps who is in a relationship, but mostly for the person who has yet to begin that kind of relationship. Now, as terms for the person who's in a relationship, your ethics of dating, that'll have to be a talk for another time. When that's coming, I don't know, but maybe we'll talk about it and we'll have it some other time. Uh, but I embarrassed myself enough for one night. In conclusion, ask yourself, does this push you closer? Does this push you closer or farther from the Lord? All relationships, whether they're a dating relationship, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a friendship, Every relationship you have should push you towards Christ. And that is the, the standard that you, you should have. Amen.